politics has never been stranger or more online, which is why the politics team at Wired is making a new show, Wired Politics Lab. It's all about how to navigate the endless stream of news and information and what to look out for. Each week on the show, we'll dig into far-right platforms, AI chatbots, influencer campaigns, and so much more. Wired Politics Lab launches Thursday, April 11th. Follow the show wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Travis, do you remember what happened when I called you up and I had a password issue with, I think it was Gmail, and you said, well, do you remember what I did? Because I remember I did something that was so alarmingly stupid, you were like, didn't even want to say anything. I do. You hadn't updated your uh, password in a decade, as I recall. Which password? Do you really want me to say it on recording? (laughs) (laughs) No, but I I mean, for what account? Because they're all different now. Uh, Your personal one, the one that you've had since the late 90s. <gasps> yeah. Really? Really. Terrifying. See, now now you all know that if you can find that on Have I Been Pawned, go for it, because it doesn't work anymore. Welcome to What the Hack, a show about hackers, scammers, and the people they go after. I'm Bo Friedlander, and I am, you know, sometimes a victim of cybercrime, but often just writing about it. And I'm Adam Levin. I'm former head of the New Jersey Division of Consumer Affairs, founder of CyberScout, author of the book Swiped, and here to either make your day or scare the heck out of you. Scaring is caring. It is. I'm Travis Taylor, resident tech geek and uh, occasional voice of God. Speaking of this sort of thing, Um, Did you see the news about Clubhouse and the fact that their API was wide open, meaning, do you know what, you know, now, do you think people know what an API is? An API stands for Application Programming Interface, which sounds super techie. Really, all it is is the way that um, any any app that you're using can send and receive data. So how does that work with regard to Clubhouse? Uh, so with Clubhouse, what that means is anyone who is accessing the API can find out about any of Clubhouse's members their name, uh, basic account info. So it's uh, they pretty much just leave the door wide open to be able to tell everyone all about their user base. Parler uh, had a similar thing happen with that that was later on used to bust some of the people at the January 6th riots at the White House, um, just in terms of leaving the access completely open so you could find out not just how many people were on there, their names, uh, in the case of Parler, their location, in the case of Clubhouse, their Instagram logins. Um, so it's uh, it's really sloppy security. Have you noticed in the past few months that there has been a literal parade of major organizations leaving the door open in one form or another? Facebook, LinkedIn, Clubhouse, the list goes on. Most definitely. I think the Parler one was kind of remarkable because this place where the uh, January 6th assault on the Capitol was planned in large part was also the place where the FBI went to bust all those people. 
when they posted photographs of themselves in the Capitol. The Democratic chair of the House Oversight Committee is calling on the FBI to investigate Parler's potential role in the deadly U.S. Capitol attack. Which brings us to, you know, one of your favorite things to talk about, which is oversharing. Yes, people have a tendency, they have almost an unquenchable thirst to share every morsel of their lives with everyone else on social media. And I always never quite got why people feel the need to do this. And one of the biggest dangers is that so many people use real life, either out of wallet facts or out of life facts when they set up security questions and answers. So what's an out of wallet fact, Adam? What would an out of wallet fact look like? An out of wallet fact is something that would be, it's, it's almost a financial identifier. People give away too much information as to where they live, what they drive, what they own, who they know, where they go. And this is where people open themselves up to trouble. Not to mention the fact that so many people love to talk about where they went to high school, where they went to college. And while those are all wonderful personal facts, the problem is that oftentimes this finds its way into the answers to security questions. So my attitude, if you're gonna overshare, then the way that you can really show that you care about yourself is lie like a superhero. I mean, does Bruce Wayne tell us he's Batman? Does Clark Kent talk about the fact that he's Superman? I mean, maybe Lois Lane knows. But the truth of the matter is that you don't owe anyone the reality of your life when it comes to social media, when it comes to uh, security questions and answers. If you went to uh, Forest Hills High School and, and the question is, where did you go to high school? Tell them you went to Sky High. Or if your mother's name is Brown, say that it's green. Uh, again, all that's important is that when you're asked that question, the answer you give is the same answer you gave when you set it up. So it's not about veracity, it's about consistency. So here's the deal. I use Yahoo Finance. I use it to make money because it works, not just because they're a sponsor of the show. Heck, I've been using them for years before they ever called to become a sponsor. I do a lot of investing and I need to make split second financial decisions. And that's where Yahoo Finance comes in. I trade stocks and I trade options and you can't trade them in a vacuum. You've got to know what's going on. Yahoo Finance gives you the opportunity to look at the whole picture. I mean, breaking news, editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts. I love the customizable charts. They have it all. At Yahoo Finance, I'm part of a community of over 90 million users. You heard me. 90 million folks use Yahoo Finance because they're helping you on your way to financial success. Visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination. That's yahoofinance.com, yahoofinance.com. 
Let's talk about weight loss. Most of us have been there, struggling with the ups and downs. You lose some weight, then it creeps back. But forget those endless cycles of juice cleanses, soup diets, and the latest fad workouts. There's a better way. The Rope Body Program pairs a weekly weight loss shot with a real lifestyle change so you can lose weight and actually keep it off. Need support? Rose got you covered every step of the way. And guess what? You can do it all from the comfort of your own home. No more doctor's appointments, no more waiting rooms. It's that simple. Ready to take charge of your weight? Head over to row.co slash Adam to sign up today. Average weight loss is 15 to 20% in a year. That's with healthy lifestyle changes. BMI and other eligibility criteria apply. Go to row.co slash Adam. Sign up today and you'll pay just $99 for your first month and $145 after that. Medication costs are separate. That's ro.co slash A-D-A-M. So Adam, today's story, actually, it's not really about oversharing, but it's definitely related to sharing. There's uh, something that happens sometimes when a certain kind of photograph is posted where, wow, the whole universe explodes open in a very specific way. Um, so we're going to explore that a little bit today. When my, my wife talks to me about my life on Instagram, which other than for a strictly business doesn't exist, I post nothing uh, personal. And my wife always says to me, who's, she's very active in Instagram. She always goes, you're a troll. I go, I'm not a really a troll, but sometimes it's easier to find out what you did for the day without having to ask you is to basically see what you're doing on Instagram. Today's show is about lurking. Roy! Hey. So Adam, I know you've never met him, but I talk about him all the time. Roy lives upstate with his wife, Obe, and they have a little farm. He told me a really funny story recently where I found him outside with his wife sleeping in a van. They both had flashlights and they were waiting for, I, I, I think, the enemy. Uh, Roy, can you tell them why you were sleeping in your van out in the yard at night? Um, that what the raccoons were eating all of my wife's um, like heritage corn. Um, just like every night, there'd be a few more like stalks pulled down. So. We were trying to, you know, you, there's different things. You can set up lights. There's different, I don't know if it was like some kind of animal urine or blood or, I mean, yeah, it's the raccoons, the predators. It's dealing with with extreme wilderness. I mean, yeah, this it's wild here. <laughs> it's a critocracy. So, Roy, you're up in Cooperstown. Have you been spending any time at the Baseball Hall of Fame? Um, I've only been there when my parents came to visit. <laughs> I don't have that much interest in baseball. There's a great farmer's museum here, though, and a folk art museum, and also an opera. So a lot more in Cooperstown than just the Baseball Hall of Fame. Cooperstown is how far from New York City and how far from Canada? Um, it's about four hours to New York City and about five hours to Montreal and Toronto. So it's kind of nicely um, situated between there and like an hour west of Albany to place it that way. What do you do most of the time up there? 
Well, I'm a painter and ceramic artist and homesteader, and I also trade stocks a lot. So those are my activities. What is a farmer's museum? Because that's pretty cool. What's that? Um, the farmer's museum is James Fenimore Cooper's old farm, part of the New York Historical Society, where they've moved about, I'd say it's about two dozen historical buildings, you know, like an apothecary, a blacksmith's shop, a church, and, and they're all working buildings, um, print shop. So it's sort of like people in period costume cooking and, you know, letterpress printing and blacksmithing, and they offer like blacksmithing classes. And um, it's it's amazing. It's, it's the best thing here, really. So it's kind of like a version of Williamsburg, but in New York, Williamsburg, Virginia. Yeah, yeah, or like a Sturbridge Village type type place. The buildings are, are all um, exquisite, like, you know, things that were moved here. So they're all like original buildings and the classes they offer too, I think makes it really special that it's, you know, useful for the community here and not just some, you know, tourist site. So Roy, so it's clear that you are at one with the earth and based on being sort of an earth person, how did it happen that you ended up with a cybersecurity issue? It was right before the inauguration. I think when Parler got kicked off of their own, um, their own app was shut down by, I don't know, was it Amazon or Apple? Everyone kind of shut them down and it was in the news that everyone from Parler was migrating to Telegram. And I'm pretty active on Telegram, just in different stock chat rooms or following different companies that sort of have ongoing Telegram chats. So just was doing a search for like Parler on, on Telegram and saw like, I mean, it was like tens of thousands of people filling up these rooms and just wanted to kind of observe. I had never been on Parler, so just wanted to observe the kind of crazy QAnon chat going into what was a really scary inauguration, just, you know, um, obviously after what had happened on the 6th. And um, being in those rooms was just a little too tempting to get into conversations with people um, with and invited different friends in there and we were kind of pretending like we were Trump supporters but who were like finding out what a sham he was and and uh, you know pointing out like his oh did you like you see his tax returns this article in the New York Times or these rape cases or um, just sort of being like a disaffected Trump supporter. and Now, Roy, Roy, I got to break in here and like <laughs> confess. Okay. I wasn't sure. <laughs> Wait, Roy, they both about to make a confession? I think Travis knows about this too. I was on Telegram with Roy and Roy and I would be texting back and forth saying, now you tell him blank. And okay. And then we would go back and... You know, first of all, Telegram, if you don't know what it is, it is a um, it's an, an encrypted app. It is end to end encrypted, isn't it, Travis? Um, not for the desktop version, actually. 
It's a way that people communicate. It's an app, and there's also a, a desktop version where people can message with each other. And it's fairly, it's fairly safe place to do that. Um, and then Parler, in case you don't know what that is, it's basically Twitter for right-wing people and QAnon types. Um, a lot of Trump supporters on there. So my, my, my confession, Adam, is that I was lurking on the Parler threads with Roy, and we were poking the bear. You first told me when you were on Telegram, you were like, I can see your phone number. I had this moment of freak out, like, oh my God, my phone number is out there. A note is that our telephone numbers are probably the most ubiquitous thing that you can think about now. You know, people talk about social security numbers being unique identifiers. Telephone numbers have become the ultimate unique identifier right now. And how can that, but how is that a liability? Like, go ahead, call me. I'm just going to not pick up and tell you to stop calling. Well, unfortunately, first of all, people do pick up even though they shouldn't pick up. And the second thing is that for people who use two-factor authentication, where the code is sent in order to be the second level of identifying you as you, the code goes to your phone. If someone were to hijack that phone number, which is becoming a little bit more common than the old days, you could have a problem in the fact they could hijack your number and they could be getting the code and they could be using that as a way to give you your accounts. This spring, get out there, enjoy the weather, and recapture the magic of riding a bike with electric e-bike. With an amazing variety of models built for riders of all abilities, it's never been easier to fall in love with riding again. Plus, every electric e-bike ships free and only requires quick, toolless assembly. This is my first ever e-bike, and the experience has just been great. I was a little bit intimidated at first because I hadn't gone biking in a while, but the 500-watt motor that the electric e-bike comes with really gives you a nice little boost, especially if you're trying to go uphill or pick up some speed. Data shows that e-bike riders take their bike out more often. That means... You get more exercise, more exploration, and wait for it, fresh air. And riding an e-bike isn't, like, it's not cheating. It's just making it possible for you to be out there longer on each ride. And speaking of things going a little slower, you can finance electric e-bike for as little as $49 a month. Get into spring with electric e-bikes, the number one selling e-bikes in the nation. Get your adventure started at electricebikes.com. And please mention that What the Hack with Adam Levin sent you in the post-checkout survey. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-B-I-K-S dot com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Okay, we were lurking. Fair enough, Roy? Well, it went from lurking to trolling. I mean, I got kicked out of like room after room and we go to like a different parlor room. Um, but you just, were being you were being very, very provocative, as I recall. I, I mean, yeah, we were like 
like the my pillow guy he's not even giving the troops pillows like just freaking out over things it just it's like trying to be as funny as possible um and then they would just they'd out us they'd be like you guys are obviously like fake trump supporters but there were also those dudes i forget the guy's name but his name was like sedona or something and he was like really gentle and kept being kept trying to like recruit us he'd be like well you know you don't know the whole story you should just listen a little bit and maybe you'll learn something and then you'd be like are you kidding (laughs) yeah he he was the one who banned me for sure so there were all these images and stuff there and there was people posting stuff left and right and it was kind of hard to see who was who um what what like what where was your cyber incident in here Well, okay, so I'd gotten kicked out of like the really bigger rooms and was just then I couldn't even find any more parlor rooms. So I went to look for different QAnon rooms and I saw one and it had, it was like maybe 20 or 30 people, same routine, like just was troll posting. And there were these crazy like gifts I'd never seen, like evil clowns with their arms and like jaws opening and I mean, that to me seemed like it could have been uh, some kind of virus. But in any case, I'm posting, posting, posting. They're like, you know, yelling back at me, this or that. Then all of a sudden I see a picture posted. And it was a picture of me that doesn't exist on the internet. Only on my phone and my computer. And just completely, like, freaked out. I just immediately, like, shut down the app, the computer, like, just everything. Like, slammed down, like, my MacBook, like, shut off my phone. Like, that was a picture from, like, two, three, maybe four years ago. It was a picture my wife had taken of me. And, I mean, but they had to have gone back through, like, three years of pictures to grab that. And you'd never posted that picture anywhere online, and neither had Ob. No. Absolutely not. I mean, I realized it's aunt. She must have sent it to me from her phone to my phone that I had it. This is almost like the scene in the shower in the Alfred Hitchcock movie Psycho, <laughs> where <laughs> this is now the music scene. Kind of. <laughs> well, I think I think Obit just like made dinner and sort of I couldn't even tell her at first. Like I didn't know what like it was still just like processing this and just felt so exposed and vulnerable and like what are the ramifications of this? Like that's when you called me. And I think, yeah, I, I texted you or called you and were like, what do I do? Or can you go in and try to find this room and see what else they posted or what they're saying? Like, and the room was gone. You couldn't find it. I went back on. I couldn't find it. And it's like the room was just gone. I went back to that room. Now, this was a moment where it was like, sorry, sir, the call is coming in from inside the house. <laughs> I was just like, oh God. I went to the I went to the page and I was like, um no, there's there's no one there, Roy. There's there's two people there and one of them is Sedona and he's still trying to get me to join QAnon. Um, no, no, that was the parlor room though. That was different. Oh, that was a different whatever it was, there it was it went from whatever thousands it was to nothing. And that oh, was... all the parlor rooms were gone too. Yep, yep, yep. So 
I don't know about you, Adam, but I feel like I'm waiting for the, the voice of God to kind of bounce into my head right now because I have no idea what happened here. Okay, so the first option, uh, the first possibility could be a type of malware called Telegrab. And that is something that, uh, as the name implies, targets Telegram users and is capable of taking files off of your computer or your device. Uh, it can also be used for mining cryptocurrency. The second one, which is, uh, I think, uh, one that's a bit scarier, but also a bit more interesting, is something called steganographic hacking, which is uh, quite a mouthful there. Is it related to the dinosaur or is it a... It is. What is it? Yes. Uh, so stegosaurus means roof lizard or covered lizard and steganographic means uh, either roof writing or covered writing. So the way that that works is you have a picture, um, maybe one of those uh, GIFs that uh, Roy saw, um, or it can be a video or an audio file that is being used to also convey some sort of data or some sort of malware. Um, and that can be really, uh, yeah. And uh, that has been found uh, on both Telegram and WhatsApp in the past. There was a uh, famous security hole there where all you needed to do was send someone a picture and then you could compromise their uh, app. I, I feel like it was that GIF more than anything else. I mean, just the way that stuck in my head is like being like, this is the scariest like GIF I've ever seen. Like, <laughs> And they can look more innocuous than that. They don't necessarily need to be scary GIFs. So Travis, I have a question about the Stegosaurus, the roof lizard. So my understanding of it is that it is often used as a trigger. So there's already something on your computer. The image actually flips. It's like a tripwire for malware that's already somewhere in your in your works. Is that, am I wrong on that or is that? Uh, no, that's one of the ways that it can work. So if you were to take a tiny little bit of malware, just a very small amount of code that's for the most part dormant or inert, um, it's waiting for further instructions. It's a bit like one of those uh, spy movies where you have a sleeper agent. So you have like a sleeper file on your computer. And then if you see the wrong image, that the or file, uh, video, audio, anything like that. Or the right image. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> but that uh, or that can be the trigger there to say, tell the malware, okay, you know, we're off to the races, and then it'll activate. So Travis, uh, one quick question. So that means you don't have to click anything, it's just when that video shows up? It depends, but one thing that people often don't really keep in mind is when you're seeing any image online, it is being downloaded to your device in a temporary format. Um, it's usually kept in just a cache file, either on your computer or on your phone. But as soon as you're seeing a file, yeah, it has been transmitted to you. Um, it's not it's not remote anymore. So anything you're seeing is actually getting downloaded to your uh, device. So what happened when you called up your dumb friend who sort of knows about cyber stuff? <laughs> um, I think you recommended that I get malware bytes and run that, empty caches, empty, like, clear cookies, like, restart. Um, I mean, I put out a fraud alert on all my credit cards. Um, yeah, changed passwords, Googled what to do, like... <laughs> <laughs> in these situations um, and just 
watched everything and I, I still am. I mean, I don't know if these were just like kids messing around and they just wanted to like try to find like an embarrassing picture to like shut me up or get me out of there or or if there's like if there's something like lurking and they're waiting to figure out how to like drain my bank account. But I've seen no other sign of, of any activity, nothing. And Malwarebytes hasn't found anything. So do you check your bank accounts? I mean, well, I'm trading every day. So yeah, I'm pretty aware of, of what's going on. Um, yeah. Did you sign up for notifications from your financial institutions that notify you anytime there's activity in your accounts? Because you can do that with banks and credit card companies. Uh, you might even be able to do it with brokerage firms too. I would get a notification if someone signed in from somewhere else. I could go to two-factor authentication every time I sign in, um, which I'm considering. I mean, I, I, I have two-factor authentication, and in particular, there's one financial institution where every time I sign in, it then says, okay, we're going to send a text to your phone, and I, right. I sometimes go, ah! Right. But the truth of the matter is, that is just an extra layer of protection, which is really important, especially now that you have been exposed somehow and that uh, you need to really sort of double down. What about leaving things open like overnight? Like if you're in some account and you just leave it open, like is that? It's, it's better to close. When you're done with an account, uh, sign off, get out. Now, some people in terms of your computer and once again, the voice of God, Travis can give us an idea about this, but isn't it best at the end of the day just not to log out of your computer to shut it down or to log out but leave it on? It's more power efficient to log out but to leave it on. Uh, it's sort of counterintuitive, but it uses more electricity to uh, turn on your computer than it is to leave it running and in sleep mode. Uh, that being the case, it's always a good idea just to log out of your account or to lock your account. So either for Windows or uh, Mac OS, you know, they'll have the thing where you need to enter in your PIN code or your uh, facial verification or something like that. Um, that means that, you know, in case anyone happens to get access to your device, they're not going to be able to just see whatever it was that you were just doing or have full access to your files. So, but definitely like log out of like Safari or whatever browser and all that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It might not okay. even a bad, be a bad idea to delete your history as well every day. Just simple practice. Wow. And, you know, that doesn't mean, and I, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, Travis, but I believe that, for instance, if you find a website that you really like, save it in your favorites, right? But but at least kill your history daily if you can. Yeah, it's a, it, it's a good idea to kill your history, uh, go through and clear off your cookies, um, anything like that, that could just be leaving your fingerprints um, across where you've been or what you visited. Uh, especially if you're, you know, trolling uh, QAnon people. And and I think that that's one of the other messages is is perhaps it's best not to troll those who might not appreciate the trolling. That was a lesson I learned. I mean, for sure, it's like if you're gonna troll QAnon, like do it from like a burner computer or something. Like, I, I, I get reminded of that every night when I come home, but you were trolling me again. It's like, well, I mean, it's, 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 it's a shortcut to not having to bother you by saying, so how was your day? Yeah, you're a bit of a lurker. It's different than trolling. Trolling's, trolling's like, you know, hurling bombs. And I, I think the lesson is troll all you want, but make sure that you're wearing armor. 
And, and, and I think also, you know, Travis, one thing I had, a, the only question I have outstanding in all this discussion is, um, why doesn't malware see this piece of dormant code that is triggered by the image that may have been what happened to Roy? Why, why would that piece of code be sitting there undetected by a malware, um, uh, anti-malware, antivirus? I mean, the, one of the first things that anyone who's making malware wants that program to do is to not be found. One way that a lot of malware can be detected is if it's trying anything sketchy on your computer. So if you just have a file sitting there, you can think about how many millions of other files are just kind of hanging out on your computer, not doing anything. It's when they suddenly activate and try to access your files or access your network or something. That's often with the anti-malware program when they get triggered and say, okay, this is suspicious. I didn't have malware running though. So mm. there's that. But we also know that the, the genius of, of hackers is that every time someone gets on to whatever their malware is, it's like, aha, uh -huh, they simply find a workaround. They just tweak it just a teeny little bit that makes it undetectable yet again. Correct? That's right. Exactly. There's a um, new trick that hackers are doing, which I think is ingenious and scary, um, that it knows when it's being uh, inspected by a malware program or by a cybersecurity researcher. Um, that oftentimes what they do to research malware is uh, to run it on something called a virtual machine. And what this malware does is says is it checks to see if it's actually running on a virtual machine and then says, if so, don't do anything and just hide. Only once you're on someone's personal device would it uh, start to activate. So Roy, what's the, what, what did... Uh... Did you learn anything today? I mean, are you? Did you learn anything? <laughs> it was probably the scary clown gift. <laughs> but I mean, no, I guess just all the. I mean, yeah, like shutting everything down regularly. I, I don't know. That's new information to me. We, we, Roy, really quickly, what we call it is the three M's, which is you always have to work hard to uh, minimize your risk of exposure by reducing your attackable service. You need to monitor and you need to have a, a way to manage the damage. Uh, for some, it's calling Bo. For others, it's calling their insurance agent, their financial services rep, or the HR department where they work and say, do you have a program that can help me through an incident? Am I in it? If not, what do I need to do to get in it? Is it free? Which it could be as a perk of your relationship. Is it deeply discounted or what do I have to pay? The setting up of fraud monitoring was fairly easy. Yeah, you and you, you want fraud monitoring. In particular, you want identity monitoring that's obviously looking for fraud and is scanning the dark web to see what of your information or even your images, your photographic images are lurking around on the dark web. One other thing that we did not mention today, which I think is really important, is setting up credit freezes so that whenever you're doing anything that involves your credit, opening a new account, moving an account, um, shopping for a mortgage, whatever, you have to unfreeze your credit so that whoever's looking can look. If you don't do that, they can't look. And what that does is it protects you from ever getting uh, scammed in that way. 
no 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 person can get in there and steal from your credit which is a pretty valuable asset it's 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 a like a kinetic asset right it's money that you can have but you haven't activated and there's plenty of criminals out there who are just waiting to do that so freeze i think it's a great idea when you've been when you've been compromised like you were i have a question though i mean i don't know how much experience or you know how many types of hacks or similar hacks you've heard of but just what you think like they could be after i mean was it just like you know shut this guy up like I mean, it could be a combination of things it could be that you know first they're trying to get away into your system in order to gain access to either the data in the system or that every time you log into an account it's transmitting that information to the hacker it could also be just sending you a message, which is, we know who you are, and at least in the digital world, we know where you live. And shut up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good explanation. Well, what a great show. This has been awesome. Roy, it was great to talk to you, to finally see there's the real human being. And secondly, to learn a little bit about Cooperstown, New York and to, to find out something that, you know, to explore with you an incident which could be more and more common with people depending upon where they're looking and what they're looking at and who they're communicating with. So thank you so much for joining us on What The Heck? Great to meet you. Great to see you both. Thanks for having me. Thanks for helping me. We'll see you later. Bye, Roy. What the Hack with Adam Levin is a production of Loud Tree Media. It's produced by Andrew Stephen, the man with two first names. You can find us online at loudtreemedia.com and on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Adam K. Levin. <laughs>